I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each one of us has a body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, we who are many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it's leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Thanks, Shirley, for reading uh, for us. Do, do keep that open. Have we got two mics on here? Have we got this one? That's all right. Um, and let me just say, as we come, come to look at this, thanks, Matt, as well, for, for praying for us. Let me mention a couple of things. Matt said this series has been truncated slightly. That's the, all the changes we had to make around the Queen's funeral. It's got a bit shorter. I think we might come back to this series at some point in the new year. Uh, and think a little more. Just some other things coming up. If you've not picked up on it, uh, later on this term, uh, I think we're going to be diving into the book of Ruth together. That's going to be one of the main books we study together, which I think will be delightful uh, to look at that. So please be along for that. And then one other, the, we've got a, a sort of guest service next Sunday morning uh, in the morning services that you can invite people along to. And then later in the autumn, we're going to have an evening, uh, the evening service on Is the Bible Reliable? Um, and uh, Peter Williams from Tyndale House is going to be speaking at that. Again, that will be a great thing for us as a church family and also hopefully to invite uh, people along to. So things in the evening, all sorts of things coming up uh, over the autumn term for us together. But let's look at this passage. Uh, once in a while, a great thinker appears uh, on the kind of world stage. One arrived like this. Here is Edward Bear, coming downstairs now, bump, 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 on the back of his head behind Christopher Robin. It is, as far as he knows, the only way of coming downstairs, uh, but sometimes he feels that there really is another way. If only he could stop bumping for a moment and think about it. You ever feel like that? And on this point, I think Winnie the Pooh is a smart cookie. Life will ultimately be happier if you can manage to stop and think. It's easier said than done, though, isn't it? Modern life is, is busy, even with more time-saving devices. I was thinking, my parents, when I was younger, didn't have a car. They didn't have a dishwasher. They didn't even have an automatic washing machine. They, my mum, I still remember this, she had a, what was called a twin tub. Those of you who are younger, you have no idea what that is. But it meant several hours in the kitchen for my mum uh, washing clothes. 
those of you who are, who are my age, you'll, you'll probably remember a stage when if you wanted to change the channel on the TV, you had to get out of your seats, uh, walk over to the television and press a button. That's how hard life was for us when we were younger. We didn't have all these time-saving devices. And yet, for all that, I don't think we feel less busy uh, today. Uh, why is that? Uh, Blaise Pascal, the French philosopher, I, I was hoping Martine was going to be here because I've got somebody French to mention. Uh, uh, the French philosopher and scientist, he wrote this, I have often said that the sole cause of man's unhappiness is that he does not know how to stay quietly in his room. That's something, what you make of that. Why do we constantly want to, to look at mobile phones? I feel myself with that. People rushing children around endless activities. And, and when there is time, many of us just want to be diverted by the TV. We, we switch it on straight away. Uh, one writer reflecting on this, on kind of Pascal and others, said this, it's because we want to complexify our lives. I didn't even know complexify. Is that even a real word? I'm not sure. But that's what he said. We want to complexify our lives. We don't have to. We want to. We want to be harried and hassled and busy. Unconsciously, we want the very things we complain about. And here's the reason, he says, for if we had leisure, we would look at ourselves, see the great gaping hole in our hearts, and be terrified. He sounds a bundle of fun, this guy, doesn't he? We'd be terrified because that hole is so big that nothing but God can fill it. That's a thought, isn't it? that much busyness is really self-made. That's what he's getting at there. Was there another slide? There it is. There. Much of our business is, is self-made, so we don't have to think about life properly because when we do, there's a bit about it that scares us. We live in a world where time and life is slipping away. It's just going. You feel you get to a certain age and you're beginning to be at that point. I'm I'm certainly at that stage where I think more than half my life is behind me. It's just slipping away, and it's, it's daunting as, as you think about that. We don't want to think about these things, but we can't do anything about it, so we busy ourselves with distractions. Pascal's thinking was this. Diversion consoles us in trivial ways, in the face of our miseries and troubles. But then he goes on and says this, yet it becomes the worst of our miseries because it stops us thinking about our true condition and seeking a more solid means of escape. Let's stop and think about that for a moment, what he's getting at. We live in a culture that could fill its time with trivial distractions, hours watching baking competitions. There's nothing wrong with that. I say, you don't watch baking competitions. But hours doing that and zero time thinking about what life's for. Isn't that not strange? And so we end up, a bit like Winnie the Pooh, bumped down the stairs, never able to stop and think. Now, you've been coming on Sunday evenings, and it's a great thing to do because one of the things we're doing is we are stopping and thinking. And we've been thinking on Sunday evenings about Christians being God's gifted people, in the first place, gifted to the Lord Jesus. God has given us to the Lord Jesus, and then he gives us gifts for his service. Forgiven in Jesus, brought into God's family, given us gifts to be used serving others, not for trivial things, but in ways. I mean, get this. This is what the Bible says. God gives you gifts to be used in ways that can have eternal significance and glory. 
that not something? Little us here in Cambridge. And this evening, we're just thinking about knowing, knowing our gifts a little bit. We'll just begin to think about that and seeing where they fit. But as we look at the Bible, in a sense, the big theological insight from this passage could be straight out of Winnie the Pooh, stop and think. And here's the first thing. Look, stop and think about the gospel, the good news about Jesus. You can look at that in verses 1 to 3. In the reading we, have, uh, we had, if you've got that in, in front of you, you, you want to understand your gifts and what they're for. Paul says, think about them. Just think about them in the context of Jesus, the good news about him. That's what he's saying in verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, in view of God's mercy and all the things that God has done for you in Jesus, he's, he's been explaining in Romans about Jesus, and then so he says in verse 2, uh, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of, mind, of your mind. Stop and think. Uh, when uh, he was quite young, one of our boys, when he was really, really quite young, he was quite concerned about his skin going wrinkly in the bath. You know that feeling? If anyone has baths anymore, it's all showers. I love a bath. Baths over showers every time. But my, I think it was my eldest when he was really young, he, was, he began to be very, my skin's going all wrinkly. Um, and you know what it's like in the bath. You, you don't need to do anything. Sit in the bath long enough, and your skin will just go wrinkly. The way Paul's written, conform and transform in verse 2, it's with that kind of this will just happen to you sense of the word. That's what he's getting at. He's saying these things will just happen to you. Plop your mind in the bathtub of our culture, and it'll begin to wrinkle up the way the culture thinks. That, that's what's going to go on. That's what he's getting at there. However, he says, run the warm truths of the gospel into your mind. Start to run the warm truths of the gospel through your mind. Stop and think about these things. Paul says, it will transform you. It will transform you. Fill your mind with this, he says. These kind of things that he, he talks about in this letter, that we deserve nothing but God's judgment. It, we lived ignoring him. It's the reason death hangs over us. If we won't live life the way the giver of life says, not unreasonable for him to say, oh, I'm going to take back the gift. But, Paul explained in Romans, but God had a plan to save. And at great expense, he came in the Lord Jesus, suffered on the cross, bearing our penalty so we could be forgiven. And by his power to start living his way, loving God and serving our neighbors, encouraged by the hope of heaven. Paul says in all sorts of ways in this letter, it'll still be hard now. We do wrong to other people. Other people do things wrong to us, but God will equip us so that even through sin and suffering, we'll keep living not for ourselves, but for him. The life you've come into, if you're a Christian, deserve nothing from God really didn't deserve anything from him, but he loved and saved you in Jesus because he's gracious. That's, that's his heart affection towards you. He loved and saved you in Jesus. Live for him, Paul says. And serve others in a world that's often tough, always encouraged by the future hope of heaven. So understand Paul here at this point, this point in the letter where we've just jumped into. In any given week, which bathtub do you most often plop your mind into? What's it sitting in most of the time? 
When did you last spend time thinking, I'm someone whom, to whom God's shown real mercy? And just sat and considered that for a while. I'm someone who God has shown real mercy to. Or, or pondered the reality of serving others even when they can hurt you at times. Or drawn comfort from really thinking about the future hope of heaven. If you don't stop and think, Paul's saying, you'll not know how to live with the gifts you've got. What's the first thing? Stop and think about Jesus. Stop and think about just the good news about him. And then Paul begins to narrow things down in verses 3 to 5. He's saying, look, stop and think about your church family. If you, if you needed proof that Paul's really concerned about our thinking, verse 3 is for you. But that bit where he says there, the way it's translated is, is more readable uh, in, in our English version. It says something like this, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. But it's really like this. The, the sense of it, the way it's written, is, is something like this. Don't think more highly of yourself than you should think, but think in sober thinking. That's the kind of the words he's put in there. And you, you hear that and you think that's a lot of thinking being thunked there. Lots of thinking going on in that. You put it together like this. He's getting it. Look, if you didn't deserve anything from God, but he loved you and saved you, how should you think about yourself? You're someone who is deeply loved, deeply loved. If you didn't know how to live God's way, if you just didn't have a clue about that, if you didn't know how to live God's way, but he saved you in order that you could learn from him, how should you think about how clever you are? <laughs> we live in a very clever city, don't we? All sorts of clever people. We are clever people, but when it comes to living for God, none of us had a clue. We needed him to teach you. So how should we think about how clever you are? If you've been saved by someone who's called you into a family, he is committed to you. He is committed to. How should you think about those around you? You know what Paul's getting at? You begin to feel this passage. If you've been saved by someone who uses his gifts and abilities for others, how should you think about yours? I smiling, listening um, to, to, to Matthew Kitson there, talking about grafted, that it wouldn't have been his sweet spot for him. Can I say, Matthew didn't tell you this. He didn't just go along to grafted. Matthew, and you'll probably be embarrassed at me saying this, and I'm not saying it to embarrass you, Matthew, but he threw himself into it. I can't think of anyone less likely than Matthew to write a rap um, for the young people and perform it. He, he doesn't seem like a rapper to me, and yet... On one evening, Friday night, as he was doing the teaching, he wrote a rap for them. And I think, I love him for that. And the young people will love him for that. He threw himself into it, not because he feels the most gifted at it. Because I think he's thought about the Lord Jesus. And he's thought about himself and the church family. And he's thought about the gifts he does and doesn't have. And he thought, do you know what? I want to serve these people. So I can manage to string some words together, and I'll do it. Isn't that delightful? So, praise to you, Matthew, for that. Uh, well done. I just thought I'd mention it. I was remembering it there, and if you're embarrassed, I'm really sorry. But 
if you've been saved by someone who uses his gifts and abilities for others, how should you think about yours? Paul's saying, stop, stop and think, stop and think. Church life's messy, isn't it? Some things are not done how I like them. Things are requested at times that involve inconvenience or, or biting my tongue or saying sorry or doing a job or saying I got that wrong or accepting I need to learn or most of the time just showing up and being committed. But when you stop and think about Jesus, about yourself as part of his people, it makes sense, doesn't it? And Paul, as you read this, and you'll see it in other letters, he likes, the, when he's thinking about the church, the image of the body. See there in verse 4 how he puts it? Just have a look if you've got the Bible open there. He, he puts it like this. Look, just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to the other. Is that the way you think? you think like that? Oh, I come to Christ Church. But I'm not sure I'm, I'm really the Christ Church type. I, you know, really, I'm here, but I'd, I'd really prefer a different kind of church, maybe where the music's a bit different. That's what I'd really prefer. I'm just a bit different to what's going on here. It's easy to think like that, isn't it? And it's a really fine line between I'm different to I'm better. That's really what goes on with that kind of thinking. Uh, but cross that line, and Paul would say, as he says here, you're thinking of yourself more highly than you ought. The people sitting around you, you can kind of glance out the corner of your eye at them. Funny bunch that they are. The people sitting around you, they belong to you. They belong to you. They're for you. And you, you belong to them. That's what Paul is saying. And so I think that would mean, look, if your life's so crazy busy that you often miss meeting with them, something's not right. Stop and think, stop and think. And if you're feeling, look, I've got to rush around and do everything or I, or I don't belong here, that's what makes me belong. If I do enough stuff, no, it's something's not right. You belong to this family in Jesus. That's the only thing you need to have to belong, really, is just being in Jesus. Other people can serve you as well. Stop, stop and think. And if you're thinking, look, I, I really want to do as little as possible, or I only do things that never inconvenience my family, or I only do things if no one ever upsets me, good luck with that, first of all. But if you think like that, something's not quite right. Stop and think. Stop and think about being part of your church family, about knowing your gifts and using them here. Now, Paul narrows it down a little further. Stop and think about your gifts. Got there in the end to talk about your gifts. It's really, I've missold this, haven't it, about knowing your gifts, and it's taken us to get right to the end. But look, the, the Bible's clear. Matt, Matt showed us the other week when he talked about gifts, the Bible's clear. If you're a Christian, you've got gifts that are to be used for others. You may be a new Christian, and you, you're not really sure yet what they are, but you've got gifts that can be helpful for others. All sorts of different gifts. 
See, verse 6, what Paul's saying, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. And Paul lists seven. And I think you're not meant to think of them as an exhaustive list. They're examples of the kind of gifts you'd expect in any church family. Some of them seem linked to specific roles in church leadership. Others are broader gifts. But notice a couple of things. Look, Paul expects us to spot gifts. I think that's what he's saying. He, he doesn't imagine a problem discovering gifts among us as long as we're committed to each other, taking an interest in one another. We should begin to see different gifts among us. And also notice he says, look, gifts are to be used properly. It seems an odd thing to say, doesn't it, with that bit where he says, if your gift's prophesying, prophesy. If it's serving, serve. If it's teaching, teach. It's an odd thing to say until you stop and think. And you realize it's possible, isn't it? It's possible to use gifts badly. If I've got gifts in teaching, I've got to be very careful. The reason I'm doing it is really so others can learn. Attempting to use a position to show off or control or gain attention. Or if you give leadership, maybe you do have a role at church, but it means extra time and some extra work, and you begin to resent it, and you start neglecting the job. It is possible to have a gift and not use it. If you've got a gift, use the gift. But you might still be asking, how do I know my gift? Just tell me. And at that point, if you're feeling that, I'd refer you, first of all, to our good friend, Edward Bear. If you can stop bumping if you can stop bumping for a moment and think about it, Paul expects us to do some thinking. You've got gifts. You're meant to use them. Uh, one of the things we do here uh, at church, and you may not have come across this yet, is something we call, uh, we started really a, a little while back, it's called a ministry interview. I guess if you're newer, you might have had one of those. It's someone from the staff team will, will sit down and talk with you. Not always just the staff team. Sit down and talk with you about gifts and, and how you might serve. You might think, do you know what? I've never done that. I would love to do that. That could be a great thing to do. And it's easy to think, isn't it, at a church like ours, because between the evening and the morning uh, congregations, we're we're quite large, and there's all sorts of stuff that just happens. It's easy to think, well, well, stuff just happens. I wouldn't really be needed. And so it might interest you to know, this is not trying to put pressure on you, our, our teams are often short of people, ministry teams. Host team, I think at one of the morning services, there was only three instead of six. It was fine. We got through things. We often do. People pitch in, but you could have helped, I guess. Sunday club and youth teams could use some others, as could the sound desk. It really could, and proclaim at the back doing that. Do you want to know how and where to serve? Stop and think. About Jesus, first of all. Always start there. Think about him, what he's like, what he's done for you, how he loves you. Then think about, stop and think about this church family you're part of. Then the things you can do. And don't just be bumps and down the stairs. We're going to pause there. We're going to stop there in a moment. Uh, the musicians, I think, are going to come back up. But let me give you a moment um, just to reflect and um, pray yourself.
maybe you are serving in all sorts of ways, and you just want to thank the Lord for giving you opportunities like that. Maybe you've had that experience of little bits of resentment creeping in. You want to pray that. Maybe you've not been, and you're not sure what your gifts are. Uh, and this could be an opportunity just to pray, Lord, would you help me find out more and find ways to serve? So let me give you a few moments just to pause and pray, and then I'll lead us on. I read through the New Testament and the, the vision of the church community, uh, imperfect in all sorts of ways, uh, this side of heaven, is still one where uh, Christian brothers and sisters are united together, loving one another, serving one another with the gifts uh, the Lord gives for His glory uh, and our good, and also to be a witness to the world around us. Our next hymn of praise picks up on that. Uh, let's stand as the music begins and sing it uh, as an encouragement and a reminder of what the Lord calls us to. We'll stand as the music begins. <laughs> 